Welcome. You are listening to the Audio Information Network of Colorado. This recording is intended to be used solely by individuals with barriers to print. Thank you for joining us for the Thursday, July 20 reading of the Pikes Peak Courier. My name is Sophia. Today, we will be reading the following main articles. Divide Fire Hires First Paid Chief, written by Pat Hill. Fluorescent Heritage Day, coming July 29, written by Marianne Magan. Watch Out for the Storm Chasers, written by Pat Hill. Breckenridge Troll Creator Intends to Build Another Troll in Cripple Creek, written by Spencer McKee. And following up with miscellaneous articles. Our first article is entitled, Divide Fire Hires First Paid Chief, written by Pat Hill. John J.T. McLeod was sworn into office last week as the first paid chief of the Divide Fire Protection District. Former Division Chief and Fire Marshal for the Cimarron Hills Fire Department, McLeod takes charge as development in Teller County moves westward. The biggest challenge I see so far is that as the community grows, the call volumes go up, he said. It gets harder and harder to address the newer concerns that are out there. Nonetheless, McLeod joins the all-volunteer department with a full roster of firefighters. So now it's just getting in a little bit more training for them, he said. We have eight applicants who are in the process of becoming full members. In opening the position for a paid chief, the board credits the voters. The board would like to thank its outstanding community for approving the mill levy increase in November of last year, said the board in a press release. Without the funding from this increase, this position would not be possible. Voters approved an increase in the mill levy from 5.25 to 10 mills, which allows for a $90,000 annual salary for McLeod. I think when the voters passed the mill levy, the board wanted someone here more consistently, McLeod said. A former firefighter with the Cripple Creek Fire Department and volunteer firefighter with Northeast Teller County Fire Protection District during the 1990s, McLeod is returning to the mountains. It's kind of cool to be back up here. Obviously, the community has grown and changed so for me, it's a lot of getting to know the folks out there because they've been here for years, McLeod said. They've been extremely welcoming to me as an outsider. In a county with a consistent threat of wildfire, McLeod offers a tribute to the Wildland Task Force, a joint effort based on agreements with other agencies. The task force is very effective. I've seen it firsthand when I first started here, he said. It's evolved into something we didn't have before. They've prevented fires from getting big because of that. In a time when fire departments around the nation are having trouble recruiting volunteers or even paying staff, 
McLeod steps into an agency with dedicated volunteers. I always said this is not for the faint of heart, he said. For the past couple of years, Ryan Kennedy has served the district as the chief. Ryan definitely knows this department, has spent a lot of time in and out of the chief position to keep the department where it needs to be, McLeod said. I rely on him as the deputy chief to give me insights about where we've been and where we, where we need to go. Kennedy received a certificate of appreciation from the district board before the ceremony. McLeod and his wife, Stacy Mackin McLeod, have two sons, John, age 15, and Sam, age 12. I am pretty proud and humble that they chose me to take on that first paid chief position, he said. I don't take that responsibility lightly. The next article is entitled, Florissant Heritage Day, coming July 29, written by Marianne Magan. The community of Florissant is inviting friends and neighbors near and far, to join them for Heritage Day, Saturday, July 29. The day begins at the Florissant Fire Station, 1, at 2606 U.S. 24, for their revived pancake breakfast. The volunteers, new board, and other community members are ready to serve up a hearty breakfast of scrambled eggs, biscuits, and gravy bacon, sausage, and, of course, pancakes. Beverages, too. Coffee, apple or orange juice, milk, and water. Serving from 7 a.m. to 11 a.m., donate what you can and support Florissant's Fire Department. There will be plenty of other activities, a bake sale, silent auction, education, and information. There will be a petting zoo with baby goats, bunnies, chicks, and pony and horse rides, and chicken poop bingo. Raffle tickets will be sold, and if the chicken poops on your number, you win. Join the fun and support your Florissant Fire Protection District. Reggie is back, too, and ready to greet neighbors and friends. After the breakfast, there are plenty of other things to do. The Florissant Grange, located at the corner of Wildhorn Road and County Road 31, is hosting a craft show with vendors inside and out. They will be serving food and ice cream from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. And right next door to the Grange is Pikes Peak Historical Society's Teacherage Museum. From 10 a.m. to 1 p.m., you can check out their vintage collection of books, desks, and other schoolhouse memorabilia. The Grange was the Florissant School that was opened in 1889, and the teacherage served as a residence for the teachers. The Pikes Peak Historical Museum at 18033 County Road 1 will be open from 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. This 2,600-square-foot museum was opened in August 2005 and offers visitors an entertaining and educational tour of the Pikes Peak region, from early explorers to Ute Indians and mountain men to the early pioneers, railroads, and gold rush. 
unique rocks, minerals, and fossils from the fluorescent liniment provide one of the richest geological exhibits in the Pikes Peak region. From 10 a.m. to 1 p.m., the Lake George Gem and Mineral Club will have a demonstration of lapidary equipment used to cut the used to cut and polish rocks and minerals. The Pikes Peak Historical Society is hosting a special presentation about Civil War veterans and family members buried at the Florissant Pioneer Cemetery. At 10 a.m. at the Florissant Pioneer Cemetery, off Upper Twin Rock Road, 0.6 miles east of Teller 1. The Florissant Fossil Beds National Monument, just down Teller 1, about 2.5 miles from the museum, will also be open 9 a.m. to 5 p.m., where you can see massive petrified tree stumps of redwood trees, detailed fossils of insects, leaves, seeds, fish, and a few mammals, and birds, trails to hike, and the 1878 Hornbeck Homestead. Plan to spend the day in Florissant and celebrate the heritage of this historic town and have fun with the whole family. Watch out for the Storm Chasers, written by Pat Hill. With all the hailstorms in Teller County this summer, the Storm Chasers are beginning to show up. With extensive damage to roofs in Cripple Creek due to a hailstorm July 7, there are plenty of roofs to be repaired. The hailstorm at that high altitude was unprecedented, said Dave Megara, who owns Trout Roofing in Teller County. Reached by cell phone while he happened to be on a roof hit by golf ball-sized hailstones, Megara is on a repeat job. I am replacing a roof I had installed a month ago, he said. Storms bring out the scammers, he said. They ask for deposits up front, he said. We do not ask for payment until the job is finished. Megara has noticed the presence of unlicensed contractors with license plates from Texas and Florida, people knocking on doors to seek immediate deposits on repair jobs. Most insurance companies give the homeowner up to a year to fix the damage, he said. Yet some legitimate companies will ask for a deposit. We don't take deposits. Not every company can do that, Megara said. But unlicensed contractors cause a raft of problems such as not paying the subcontractors or not paying into workman's compensation insurance, he added. Katie Reith with Cripple Creek Building Department advises homeowners to get the contractor's business name and call the building departments in Teller County or Cripple Creek to check. Woodland Park residents can check online anytime with the Pikes Peak Regional Building Department, she said. The next article is entitled Breckenridge Troll Creator Intends to Build Another Troll in Cripple Creek, written by Spencer McKee. Cripple Creek is about to get a troll, but not the internet type. Artist Thomas Dambo, builder of Isaac Hearthstone in Breckenridge, will be returning to Colorado to build another one of 
of his famous trolls during a troll building road trip across the U.S., according to an Instagram post. Among 10 trolls set to be built is one in Cripple Creek. A local group called the Gold Camp District Impact Group is involved with the effort, raising funds for the project on its website. Currently, the construction of Dambo's latest Colorado troll is set to take place in Teller County from the end of July and mid-August. According to Gold Camp District Impact Group, Dambo's team will consist of about five to eight members using locally sourced scrap wood for the project. While artist Dambo has achieved worldwide fame for his many troll installations around the globe, he's best known in Colorado for the construction of Isaac Hearthstone, which is a 15-foot-tall troll he's built twice in Breckenridge. Why has Isaac Hearthstone been built twice? The first construction of Hearthstone was so popular that it overwhelmed the trail it was on forcing officials to ask Dambo to tear it down and rebuild it in a more suitable spot. The next article is entitled, Owners of Urban Blight Building on City's Main Street Begin Cleanup, written by Pat Hill. When Andrew and Jojo Nguyen learned that their building in Woodland Park had been dinged for urban blight by a member of the Downtown Development Authority, they reacted. Termed urban blight by Arden Weatherford at the May meeting of the DDA, the building is in disrepair. For months, a Connex dumpster on the property has contributed to the unsightly view. Weatherford's comments were reported in the June 14 issue of The Courier. The people of Woodland Park, all they see is a dump, said Andrew Nguyen, but if they understand what happened and what we're trying to do, they'll be okay with it. Initially, the Nguyen's got a quote of $100,000 to bulldoze the building. But I don't want to tear the building down, he said. I've talked to three construction companies up here to get quotes on how much refurbishing would cost. Since purchasing the building for $240,000 cash from Ace Edwards in 2018, the Nguyen's, a mother-son team, have had nothing but bad luck. A native of Vietnam, Jojo owns and runs the Saigon Cafe in Colorado Springs. One of her loyal customers, Richard Ornelas, offered to repair the building in Woodland Park. Ornelas owns Pro. Janitor Construction, LLC, in Colorado Springs and requested $250,000 upfront for the repairs. And then he was just gone, Andrew said. It was heartbreaking because we knew him for over 13 years. The Nguyen's filed suit against Ornelas and his construction company in a judgment decision in Teller County Court, May 3, 2022. The Nguyen's were awarded $234,313.37. They have yet to collect. We found out that he was not a contractor for commercial buildings, Andrew said. 
According to a check on the website for the Pikes Peak Regional Building Department, Ornelius's license had been revoked. But within two weeks of the Nguyen being called out over the blight, Andrew has been on a roll, clearing the property of the Connex and meeting with DDA Chair Ter- Tony Perry. After reading the newspaper article, the Nguyen said that they were really embarrassed, Perry said, speaking July 11th at the DDA meeting. They hired a contractor who basically bilked them out of their money. The Nguyen spent about $20,000 to take the contractor to court, Perry reported. They knew they weren't going to recover any money. They are in a tough situation, he said. After getting rid of the Connex, Andrew is continuing to clean up the property, the work visible from US-24. Their first step is to bring in a local reputable contractor and, with help from the city and the DDA, make a good decision, Perry said. My assessment is that they are really good people and we are going to work hard to help them through the process. In a check with Andrew last week, he reported that he was still trying to find a local contractor to begin the repairs. The next article is entitled, Under Sheriff Gives Possible Cause of Colorado Campground Deaths, written by Spencer McKee. Gunnison County's coroner provided additional information about the badly decomposing bodies of three people that were found in a remote mountain camp in Colorado. A hiker found a first body near Gold Creek Campground on July 9th, with law enforcement finding two more the following day. Gunnison County Undersheriff Josh Ash described the campsite where the bodies were found as particularly developed, expressing his suspicion that it could have been being used for long-term off-grid living. Gunnison County Coroner Michael Barnes has since added to that description, providing details about when the three may have gotten there, what their plans were, and what likely killed them. According to Barnes, it happened as if the three had started camping in mid to late July of 2022. Evidence at the site suggested that the campers had plans to live at the spot permanently, staying there through harsh winter months. The start of 2023 saw particularly heavy snowfall and low temperatures in the region. While the official cause of death hasn't been released, the coroner said he suspects the three died of malnutrition and or exposure at some point over winter. Foul play is not suspected at this time, Ash said. As of Wednesday night, the coroner was still confirming the identity of the three individuals. Gold Creek Campground, found on Gunnison County Road 771, is currently listed on the U.S. Forest Service website as closed due to inaccessibility. It's located next to the southeastern boundary of the Fossil Ridge Wilderness Area, near Fairview Peak and Fossil Ridge in Gunnison National Forest. There are some small towns and rural development near the campground, and the city of Gunnison is about 20 miles southwest of the site. The next article is entitled, 
Woodland Park City Manager Resigns, written by Doug Fitzgerald. Woodland Park City Manager Patrick Lawson announced his resignation at the City Council's July 6 meeting. His last day will be August 4. The resignation comes less than two months after Lawson was given authority to make local emergency declarations. Among his duties, Lawson served as the City Council's chief advisor, recruited and hired city employees, and prepared and administered the city budget. According to the Woodland Park website, the city manager is the administrative head of the municipal government functions. He is responsible to the city council for the proper administration and execution of affairs of the city's operations in order to preserve and protect the health, safety, and welfare of the citizens of Woodland Park. Lawson began working for Woodland Park on October 19, 2020, as the assistant city manager. He was appointed acting city manager, effective December 12, 2020, after the resignation of Darren Tangman. Lawson became the permanent city manager on April 28, 2021. Prior to his stint with Woodland Park, Lawson worked for the city of San Diego as a management analyst and then with the city of Aurora for over 12 years in various roles, including manager of citywide special projects, interim community development manager, interim city clerk, finance and budget program manager, and finance and budget program administrator. The next article is entitled Public Servant Michael Lawson Heads Home as Woodland Park Looks Forward, written by Gerilyn Terzo. As Woodland Park City Manager Michael Lawson prepares to depart, we thought now would be the perfect time to reflect on what brought him here and what has lured him away. Lawson, who announced his resignation earlier this month, is departing Woodland Park for the greater Denver metro area, where he will assume the role of Assistant Town Manager of Operations in Parker. Lawson, who first came to Woodland Park in 2020, is a public servant at heart. Not only has he dedicated his career to municipal government for the past 15 years plus, but he hearkens from a long line of public officials. I grew up with a family that largely worked in the public sector, he said. My mother was a city manager. My grandfather was a police officer. My grandmother was a sheriff's dispatcher. My other grandpa was a tree trimmer for the city. It was kind of a natural fit. And for Lawson, a California native who relocated to Colorado in 2008, vocation is more than just a job. It's personal. We as public servants get to serve the people we live next to. We grocery shop with them. We drive the same roads, potholed or not. It's a cool way to give back and get paid at the same time, he said. The Lawson family's decision to return to the metro area isn't too much of a stretch. When they first arrived in Colorado, they called Southeast Aurora their home, and Parker is the next town over. It's an area that's very familiar to the Lawsons, including where their children were born, carrying a lot of weight on their decision. In a sense, and really the biggest reason we're relocating is it's going home 
for them, and all of us to a large degree, he said. Lawson's departure leaves a gaping hole in the city government, at least for a while. Lawson's departure comes just as the city of Woodland Park is debating a couple of hot-button issues, not least of which includes short-term rentals, for which there is a divided council. His exit also comes on the heels of a recent resignation of former council member David Ott, who left in March. Lawson made it clear that these dynamics had zero to do with his decision. I truly have enjoyed my relationship with the council, he said. I have a great relationship with all seven of them. I did with David Ott as well. He believes each one is genuinely doing what they believe is best for the community, regardless of any differences on issues. I love my council, Lawson said. I would not trade my council for any other. All seven care deeply about this community. Thank you for joining us for the Pikes Peak Courier. My name is Sophia. If you enjoyed this program, please register for our free services at www.aincolorado.org or by calling 303-786-7777.